This is a Cortez Currents news update. Two months have passed since Fisheries and Oceans Canada announced that nine peer-reviewed scientific risk assessments find that salmon farms pose a minimal risk to salmon migrating through the Discovery Islands. This finding is important because the Canadian government has until December 18th to decide whether to renew the licenses of the 18 salmon farms operating in that region. As independent biologist Alexandra Morton explained, All the licenses, the federal licenses of the salmon farms in the Discovery Islands are all set to expire on the 18th of December. I'm really not sure how that all lined up because it's not the case for the rest of the coast, but it is for these 18 farms. And so that's, you know, that's a fifth of the industry. In a recent interview with the Globe and Mail, Dr. Christy Miller-Saunders, head of the DFO's Molecular Genetics Laboratory at the Pacific Biological Station in Nanaimo, expressed concerns about the fact DFO is relying on studies that were funded by industry. She insists this can lead to scientists only asking the research questions that the industry agrees with. Jay Parsons, Director of Aquaculture, Biotechnology, and Aquatic Animal Health at DFO, responded that DFO researchers independently undertake the research and that the research is public and it is published and it is made available to the scientific community. But some scientists ask why sea lice were not among the problems assessed in the Discovery Islands. According to Alexandra Morton, For some reason, DFO, while they provided evidence on nine pathogens that are associated with salmon farms, viruses, and bacteria, they completely omitted sea lice, which is most obvious, the most best, you know, the best studied (laughs) and probably the greatest impact on juvenile wild salmon that are trying to get to sea past these farms. Fisheries and Oceans Canada set the permissible limit at three lice per fish between March 1st and June 30th, when wild salmon migrate out to sea. Cermak Canada was not able to respond quickly enough for this article, but in a previous one, communications and engagement manager Amy Johnson explained this limit was set by DFO Science based on risk assessment and potential risk to wild salmon. David Kimmel, managing director of Cermak Canada, added that the higher the number of sea lice in the ecosystem, the more frequently we will need to treat our farms. Sea lice numbers can fluctuate depending on several factors, such as water temperature, salinity, and the in-migration of wild salmon. Once lice enter our farms, as with any farmed animal, the parasites can undergo an amplification effect. Because of these dynamics, we monitor sea lice levels on a weekly basis and plan to treat the farms when sea lice levels are seen to be increasing. Morton disagrees. So <laughs> it's really interesting, Roy. So in the Broughton Archipelago, where, where the nations are telling the industry what to do, they all kept their lice under control last spring. You know, the, the industry posts their sea lice numbers on their websites. And about 15 years ago, the province of BC said, look, you guys can have three lice per fish. And, and after that, 
you got to deal with them. So in the Broughton, they kept it all under. Everywhere else they went over, including the Discovery Islands, where 50% of the farms went over. And the problem that the salmon farming industry is facing, which is all of our problem now, is that these sea lice have become resistant to the wonder drug called slice that really worked. When more than three lice per fish are found at a salmon farm, they're currently given 42 days to clean up. Some critics suggest this should be changed to 10 days. Kimmel wrote that his company is already implementing this and added, as part of our new conditions of license, there is an increased monitoring and management requirement in February to ensure that farms are below the threshold going into the out-migration period. DFO announced it will not make a final decision until they consult with seven First Nations from the Discovery Island area. Four of these, the Homelco, Clahous, Comox, and Tlaman, are among more than a hundred First Nations that signed a joint letter supporting the transition to a closed containment system. Two of the others, the Wiwaki and Wiwakum First Nations, have voiced their opposition to fish farms on numerous occasions. These nations are really worried. They don't have salmon. They don't have salmon for culture and ceremonial purposes. They don't have salmon to eat, which is a major component of their diet. I mean, nutritionally, the salmon are extremely important, as they are for, I mean, many coastal residents will feel the same way, but for First Nations, of course, there's 10,000 years or more of history of, of eating this highly nutritious food. So they are talking to the government, but the Fraser River nations are now alive to this issue. They also are very worried, very concerned that they also, you know, don't have salmon. It's the same fish. And some of these nations have proven their title and rights to the Fraser River sockeye which are going through the Discovery Islands, and they're not being consulted at the moment, but I believe they're on the list. The mayors of Campbell River, Port Hardy, Port McNeil, and Gold River are asking to be included in the government consultation. You've been listening to a compilation of a live interview with Alexandra Morton, several emails exchanged with Amy Johnson and David Camille of Cermak Canada, and facts gleaned from numerous articles on the web.